For those of you just joining, I have an orange chair. Sages, curse you, Zelda, curse you, insert credit podcast. This is episode 66. I'm Alex Jaffe, and my favorite C list villain from a major video game franchise is Tatanga, the evil space alien from Super Mario Land. Oh man, that uh, guy. Uh, my name is Frank Zafaldi, and that is way too weird to have to think of on the fly. Let's see if David Hellman can do any better. <laughs> I'm David Hellman, and and my I'm just I just froze up immediately. Like starting a podcast with a a, a quiz trivia question like that is. Wait, this whole thing is like a game, Bill. Yep. Yeah. And we all lost. Tim, are you gonna be, <laughs> you gonna take it home? Are you gonna win this? My name is Tim Rogers, and my favorite C-list villain from a video game is. He's looking uh, at the shelf. I don't have anything to look at around. Is uh, is uh, <laughs> I, I want to say the little I don't I don't know his name, but the little the little jerky. Emperor Pilaf-looking guy that you have to fight in Blue Dragon because he's just constantly uh, thwarting you, and he has these giant airplanes. That How guy. about? Wait, oh, that's a good one. one. I got one. Uh, the uh, the first boss from House of the Dead Two, or as I like to call it, the Typing of the Dead. Um, typing the little of guy, the Dead Two. The little guy who says "Suffer like G did." Suffer like G did. Yeah. <laughs> and then no, he's, uh, he's actually he's actually a G list villain. Oh, that's true. That doesn't count then. Well, I'm I'm just trying to play. So, so who who is this David Hellman guy? That was yeah, speaking? he's David Hellman. Tell us about yourself. Yes. I'm just going to be listening, actually. Oh, you're just, just here to. Yeah. Likes to watch. If any You'll of you, will be a Hellman, my son. I'm just here to listen to you guys, and if any of you have concerns with each other or someone's getting on your nerves, uh, mm-hmm. I'm sort of like an HR department. Here for the show. Ah. So. Oh, thanks, Dave. Yeah, we've needed More some like mediation a for a while. HM department because of your last yeah, you, name. You would think that some kind of host would do something like that. Uh, maybe this show should get on that. Have you ever considered so, changing uh, your last name to Heckman so that uh, children's and young Christians can pronounce it more uh, comfortably? Can I, I, call I, you, can I call I, you David Heckman? You can, and uh, I won't correct All you. Right, I'm going to call you Heckman. David Hellman is a longtime friend of ours and therefore the show. A uh, very talented artist. He worked on a video game called uh, Braid, I think. Braid. 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 And uh, soft, soft G. working on a really cool comic book that was kickstarted. Uh, what are you calling that? Second Quest? Second Quest. Second With quest. Tevis Thompson, the what writer the, Tevis Thompson. What was the first quest? Was it uh, Zelda? Yeah, it's kind of um, it's kind of like getting at the idea of uh, of kind of worlds beyond worlds. <laughs> you did the slow head turn that just cracked me. Maybe just maintain eye contact. Don't face away. And then when I'm talking, do a slow, like rotating security camera head turn towards me. But yeah, yeah. yeah. 
it's um, yeah. it's a comic book that is inspired by uh, Legend of Zelda, and um, and yeah, it's about about the kind of being an explorer in a video game or outside of a video game. More like the Zegend of Zelda. Is that what your this game is called in the story? Is it the Zegend of Zelda? Well, we do play with the idea of inversion as a motif. So oh, that's good. It's ah, not actually go. a Zelda story. Do you think in the dark world in in Zelda: Link to the Past, it's actually uh, uh, called the game name changes to uh, a, a a pink to the last? A pink to the last. Hey, that, hey. That's that's why your default character is a pink bunny rabbit. You're pink See? to the last. A pink to the last. Yeah. He's pink, but but he ends up changing his fate, and he's not really pink to the last. He's gonna pink just in the beginning. Yeah, it's true. It's just really misleading altogether. <laughs> so how this works is, I introduce a topic, we discuss it for six minutes, we wrap it up with a final round. Uh, usually, whoever wins the show by my uh, very detailed and not arbitrary criteria gets to pick the first topic for next week. Uh, last week's winner was Ian Adams, who wrote in a question. I was in a really weird headspace when I wrote the questions for this week's show, but I'm going to roll with them anyway. And we have an extended final round that should be a lot of fun. An EFR. Uh, yes. Uh, so our first topic, courtesy of Ian Adams... Design the free-to-play game that makes everyone get over their hatred of free-to-play games. Uh-huh. Okay, this is... Man, this is... Uh, that is an Design Adams a free-to-play question. game that to make everybody get over their hatred of free-to-play games? Is that yeah. what yep. it is? Yes. Very much an Ian Adams question. Ian Adams uh, is a designer of Battle Nations, a very much free-to-play game. Uh, I like Battle Nations. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's okay. Well, it's 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 one of I don't I don't think that there's like a game that solves it. I think it's just one of those things that people are going to have to learn to accept with time. I don't think there's like a magic game that's going to make it okay. Like I don't think I don't think microtransactions are inherently evil. A lot of them are, but I, I think for the most part, the popular games that use them are not doing it in an evil way. And it's just it's just some people are going to have to learn to deal with and, and accept as normal, which uh, they will eventually. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Next question. Uh, I think I mean there's there's games that do this stuff and people are okay with them. Like I don't uh, I don't think there's this grand like like experiment that no one's done yet that's gonna like convince everybody. I think I, th- I think we've got all of the possibilities pretty well covered by now as far as what you can do with microtransactions in a game and and I think people's got to deal with it. There's nothing wrong with it. Didn't didn't Peter Molyneux's game Curiosity? Didn't that actually do it? Didn't that kind of lift the stigma once and for all? Oh yeah, it's over. Yeah. Didn't didn't it just kind of everybody goes? Oh, I see what they're I see what they. Can I do forgot it was over. Yeah, it's over, <laughs> and uh, we found finally have our Citizen Kane. The ten thousand dollar diamond drill. Everybody's yeah. like, yeah, that's it, I guess. I think like uh, uh, sort of shitty microtransactions are just going to be. It's just another way that media can be shitty to users. And right now everyone's paying attention to it, but there are loads of ways that uh, games or other forms of art can condescend to users. So I don't think it's fundamentally different necessarily. I think there, I think it's about expectations to some degree. Like I can't think of a game offhand, but there there's an art app, Paper, for iPad that I, I like that one. Sure. It's totally free, but like you get the pencil and then all the other tools you can use um, are like a buck or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, no, it's the app is free, but then they make you pay for the the pens. 
yeah, for the different and it's, You buy them all, it's still like five or five or six bucks for the whole thing. Yeah, you can pay something to unlock all of them right away, which is what They're I did. They're not making you buy ink to refill your, your, your fountain pen. Oh, it's so realistic. You have I to wish buy they the did, ink though. cartridge <laughs> and stick it into the, to the, to the pen mm. for 3D simulation. I'm a, I'm a fan of the, the coin doublers. Um, I think it's a good way to go because it's like, okay, you're playing the game for free. If you want it to be you know, a little more fun, uh, then just give us a dollar and we'll double your coins. Yeah, that's um, the number one transaction for Jetpack Joyride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's was, like the first thing you do when you start playing the game, right? So it's like, it's like one, once you are designing a game like that, you, you reach a certain point where during the design process, you, you can't not be thinking about tuning the item drop rates uh, so that it influences people's decisions to pay money. You can't not think... Let's just double the prices of half the items in the shop so that people will be a little bit more inspired to buy the coin doubler thing. But uh, uh, so I, I, I still like the extra lives thing. You know, like you can play this game this many times a day, and then if you die, you can mm-hmm. uh, you can pay this much for some extra lives, and you can lose some progress if you don't play all day or whatever. I feel like that's honest enough. But then, how can you not tune the game so that people will die more? You know. Arcade games were not free to play. You had to pay, and then you had to keep paying to get to the end. What if there were arcade games? How's this as a hypothetical? There was an arcade game, like an arcade beat-em-up, that your first life was free, and then if you mm-hmm. paid some money, you could keep going. Why didn't anybody do that back in the 90s? That's the better question. That oh. would have been that would have been liquid money. Because you, you don't have the game on everyone's like magic glass device back then. You have a cabinet that... Uh, has to be making money. Like yeah, but it becomes just a thing, just like surrounded by kids. Surrounded by kids, one by one, into... playing their their free yeah. But life. when you go to an arcade, you're already invested insofar as you're at the arcade, and you're you've got a pocket full of quarters that you just change out of machine, and you want yeah. to put them in something, and you're just walking around looking for something that's got an attract mode running, or maybe you're watching someone else play. And something's going to persuade you. Yeah, I'm going to put 25 cents into this. Yeah, I, I don't think there's like a. I don't think there's ever been a barrier to entry in the arcades with the quarter. Like I feel like just about any game that you might be interested in, you're like, yeah, I'll drop a quarter in that and then try it. You know, so I don't. I don't think that would be a very effective way of doing things, Tim. Frank, yeah, no, it was a, Frank, it was a hypothetical. <laughs> Frank, what? you've never what? been to an arcade in Orthodox Jewish neighborhood. No, it's true. There why, you go. Why, 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 well, uh, oh, yeah. Please explain. Yeah. Wait, we, we 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 are quite hesitant to drop our quarters. Hmm. Mm. You just keep them in your hand. It, yeah, yeah. We we uh, if we can stare in a tra- attract mode and get the same benefit from playing a game as just watching that over, we will. I can kind of understand that. I I used to just go to these arcades in Japan and just. Uh, I uh, I would just watch them, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd just be like, I'd look, watch the attract modes and all these weird old games, and I wouldn't play them most of the time. Actually, I think the most fun I've had in an arcade was uh, when I was watching these two guys go through uh, Time Crisis, and they were farther than I had ever seen before. And at one point, they died, and they ran out of money, and it's like, no, don't stop, and I gave them some of my quarters so they could keep going. And <laughs> That's it great. Was a fantastic time. That's fantastic. So yeah. that's I've done how, that, and I've had that happen to me too. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the uh, that's the answer to the question: Are arcades dead? It's like, no. This is what we could do. We could have more games that inspire that. Thanks, Ian Adams. 
<laughs> so uh, here comes our uh, seven questions, which I wrote in a weird headspace. Uh, let's deal with them anyway. Uh, first one, why are video games fun? Huh. Why are video games fun? Yeah. That's a good big question. Wow, yeah. Um, I mean, it's just, it's it's tricking your brain is what it's doing, right? It's tricking your brain into thinking it's having a real experience when it's not. Um, it's just releasing, uh, you know, the, the right uh, chemicals, right, through your body that make you enjoy what you're doing. I mean, that's why anything is fun, though. It's kind of a stupid answer. <laughs> it's rotating the brain. It's like when you go to 7-Eleven, you see this, the hot dogs turning. Yeah. In the little box, that's sort of just turning your brain over. Is that is that what happens when you're playing video games? Does your brain rotate on a spit? It's like a rotisserie brain. Wow, I didn't know that. You're Only video big. games do that. Yeah, pretty sure. I think because you're kind of involved with the stuff, I think video games are fun because there's like sometimes uh, there's big dudes with like machine guns in them, and you get to kind of press a button and then see the big dude with the machine gun doing the sort of thing that you can't do. Yeah. You can just press the triangle button to steal a car. Yeah, you just press Whereas a button and you have a car. Yeah. In real in real life you would have to stand around like you would have to have really awful things happen to you for dozens of years. You'd have to have a horrible life and go through all sorts of bad things and be in prison and get beat up in prison and uh smuggle drugs and and eventually in order to decide at the into in order to obtain the ability to to just synaptically Go. There's a car. I'm gonna steal it, and then just do it the way. That you, but in a video game, you just press a button. There it is. You can you can earn experiences uh, very quickly. So wait, wait, wait. But, but what you're saying is that you don't steal a car unless you've already been to prison. Well, I mean, unless you're the type of person who is cool with prison. And it's not just stealing cars. It's just synaptically, just like cars steal now. I'm you gonna know, take it. Just, yeah. yeah. Everybody wants to be a take charge kind of person. Everybody. Yeah. Not everybody, but lots of people want to take charge. And thanks to video games, we finally can. Thanks to video games, we can take charge. We're in charge of... We're, we're the ones saving the goddamn world. We can we're take charge, we can take cars. That's take charge. I would actually blame Frogger for that, for uh, equating cars with logs in a river, that you could grab a car as easily as you can grab a log. Exactly. Well, that come is on. Exactly what, that is exactly what is happening. I think it's actually easier to steal a car than it is to grab a log. <laughs> Not in a game, though. <laughs> There's always something, some magic for me, uh, especially as a kid, um, to uh, about making something happen on the TV. Yeah. I don't know. It sounds kind of dumb. Yeah. But, uh, well, no, like, I mean, no, it doesn't sound dumb, but go ahead, sorry. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, maybe that's why even like the art I make, I've done a lot of digital art because I want it to happen on, the, on a screen. Because I mm -hmm. think the screen, like the screen, is beaming out one way. You can kind of reach in and make something happen the other way. Like having your, you know, doing something that shows up on the screen. Is, there's just a kind of magic to it somehow. I think we still. I think we've refound that magic now with touch screens. I think. I think that magic is the same magic as like touching a screen and having something happen. You know, yeah. like I, I think that's a similar mindset, and I think kids are going through that same thing. Yeah. yeah, I think kids mostly enjoy that nowadays. But uh, I remember the first time we had a TV remote when I was a kid. You know, it's like, oh, you can just touch this and you can turn the TV on, and your brother's watching TV, and you turn it off while he's watching TV, and he's like, "What happened?" 
And it's like that was like that's that was uh that was cool. It's like you're making something happen with the TV, and then the video games were just just the same thing, right? Basically that's the same. A, same that's exactly thing. it. You turn things off in front of your brother and confuse them. Yeah. And then your brother. Like, gets the really video game mad. equivalent of that was when your brother is jumping over a gap yep. in Super Mario Brothers, and you pause it. Yeah, oh, pause, yeah. That, pause. Yeah, and, yeah, and he yeah. and he goes, "What happened?" <laughs> <laughs> like that, <laughs> and you're like, "I don't know, maybe the controller's broken." And he goes, oh. <laughs> and then that's it. That's that's how it works. Yeah, that's the magic of video games. That's what they do. That's basically it. <laughs> you steal, you steal cars, you steal moments, and you steal uh, brother sanity. Okay. <laughs> That's oh, why and you, you can... and you steal kisses. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and and the hearts of millions. Mm-hmm. Uh, our next topic: How would you define your relationship with video games? My relationship with video games. Hmm. That's a uh, nice. I get. Good... I know. It's uh like my best friend that um. We keep trying to get each other on the phone. Because I actually have a friend like this who called me this weekend and we're supposed to talk Saturday. And I was doing something and I couldn't get him. And I really like the guy and have a lot of affection for him. And we, But we only talk like twice a year. So video yeah. games to you are like... <laughs> wait, where are you I'm, going with this, Dave? I'm trying to, I'm trying to like <laughs> talk more. I'm trying to, trying to get games on the phone more often. Oh, I see. Okay, so uh, you're, you're you trying... want to get them on the phone. Is is this also yeah. a friend that you used to talk to a lot? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, so so yeah, you're for... trying you're trying to like sort of get back to uh, calling up video games all the time. Right. And, I want it yeah. to be easier. I don't want to have to go through the whole. So like, fill me in. What are the you know what's up in yeah. your life? I have no idea what you're doing now. That whole thing. Yeah, you don't want to do that anymore. You just want to go back to like, hey, what's up? Cool. Yeah. yeah. Just low pressure. Yeah. Hangouts. You just want to have hangouts with you. With yeah, you want to hang out with video games. Yeah. Yeah. I just got through The Last of Us, but I was trying to play that since July, and I kept feeling like it was just too much, too much to actually get into. So I kept putting it down. And finally, I got through it this past week just by devoting what? solid like four hours. But there was just some. I don't know, man. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. You got that between Sunday when we talked about it and today. That's remarkable. I got what. Through The Last of Us. You weren't through it yet on Sunday. He was, all, he was oh, near the yeah. end. I finished yeah. it Sunday night, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, good. I'll mark that on good. my calendar. Yeah. My David Hellman calendar, I have one. <laughs> How yeah. about you, Frank? <sighs> my relationship with video games is... Uh... <laughs> I mean, I don't want to sound negative, but it's, it's almost like... I'm trying to think of it in terms of like a romantic relationship and what that relationship would actually be like and it's yeah. like it's a troubled relationship but it's one where um it's like obviously breaking up is the stupid thing to do <laughs> like that wouldn't help either of us uh but it's deteriorated so we, to the point that you have a weekly podcast about it <laughs> yeah, we we have to we have to go yeah. to podcast therapy together now. Um, but it's like okay, obviously we're meant to be together. Uh, we just gotta make this work one step at a time. That's the kind of relationship that I think I have with video games. Uh, you know, it's the the honeymoon period's kind of over, but I still love you, baby. Um, 
but you know, maybe not tonight. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> maybe not tonight. Video game. Smooth. Uh, Blaine's gonna have a hard time picking a title for this episode. I've had, I've had that one before. I've had that whole maybe not tonight video games thing before. I'm not really sure what my uh, relationship with video games is. I think, uh, man, I feel like it's a pretty good friend that I've I've had for a long time, and I've just uh, we've started a business together. <laughs> and uh, you don't we're start not, a business with your friends, Tim. We're not really. Uh, what do you call it? Friends so much because it's a business, but we're okay with that. We've got that idea of being able to transition to starting a business together despite having been friends, and we're doing all right with it. And uh, either that or video games are like uh, video games are like my parents' cat. You know, it's like they've got a cat, and I don't, and I don't really want one. But other people have cats, and I'm like, that cat's pretty cool. Like I'll touch that cat, but I'm allergic to cats. My eyes get all itchy. But it's like that's a cool cat. You're not really so, allergic, allergic though, right, Tim? Yeah, I am. Well, why would you? Really, think? I mean, you're not you're not really allergic to a cat. What do you mean, like really allergic? You're telling me about this. No, that was there are those else. who question your 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 allergy. That was something else I was uh, I was telling you about. Oh. Uh, I am in fact. Actually allergic to cats. I know. I am. I am actually like no joke allergic. Like I just get all itchy. So that's that's video games are like cats. Now oh, this this like I didn't know that. So this is a good question. Um, are you itchy in my house? Yes. Okay. All right. Just you know, it's. I mean, keep in mind that my parents had cats. Just my whole life when I was growing up, there's just always cats around, and I'm allergic to them, and that's there's nothing. So that's gonna change that. Does that make the webcomic VG Cats the most accurate commentary on video games? Yes. Absolutely. Oh, man. VG Cats. Isn't that like the really, really, really bad one? Uh, <laughs> isn't that like... It's a really, really, really bad one. I mean, isn't there like an upper upper echelon of terrible video game webcomics? It, it, it's in the Pantheon. Uh, I, I don't know if it's the god of the gods. I don't know if it's the Zeus of the Pantheon, but uh, it, it's a Hephaestus. At what's, least. what's what's the worst video game webcomic? Uh, probably Control-Alt-Delete. Uh, oh, that's, that's the one I've heard so much about. Yeah, it, it, probably that one. The one with the abortion subplot and the... Uh, oh, the, the, no, the, the, mis- the miscarriage. Yeah, I remember, miscarriage I, subplot. I'd yeah. never heard of the, that website until... That that oh, miscarriage, the miscarriage thing. <laughs> it's like whoa, yeah, my girlfriend's pregnant. It's like you know, the baby's dead. Oh no! And then the next episode, it's like, so I was at GameStop. Right. It's like, <laughs> it's like okay, guy just decided I'm gonna cool it with this writing about stuff that people might think is real. All right, uh, our next topic. Oh, I guess I didn't. Yeah, that's the end of my. I guess I, I really I, wanted some kind of siren to go off while Tim was saying that. Yeah. I, I'm cool. There we go. This is an introspective episode. I'm uh, cooling it on the sirens. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Which video games are the most personally empowering? Empowering? Pac-Man. Yes. Pac-Man is the most empowering game. It's a game about becoming empowered and chasing your personal demons. Yeah. The ghosts. 
Mm-hmm. There's a, I've always kind of talked about this when I talk about game design with people. Pac-Man is very, very direct, very simple. I mean, I'm yeah. not going to try to pretend that the person who made it had some great metaphor in mind. But, you know, you've got these ghosts that are chasing you helplessly and they kill you. And then you get these things that there's only one of in each corner, these four moments that you get in the whole game where mm-hmm. you touch them and now everything's flashing and you are cool and they're the losers and they're the chumps and they're the losers <laughs> and you can eat them. I, I, I actually them have talked you. to... His name's Iwatani, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've talked to Iwatani. Iwatani. Uh, I've, I've talked to him about it and it's not... Like, he didn't have a metaphor in mind. He just had a... a uh, a dramatic arc in mind, which was the hunter. Be- the hunted becomes the hunter. Yeah, he just wanted that feeling of of, of turning Uh-oh. the table and and. Uh, oh, are you okay? You having, like my some my, my, of... my knuckles got stuck in my coffee cup because I pushed them in too far. Oh, oh man, knuckles! But now they're out. I'm supposed to keep out. them about like that, but I just I went and pushed them straight through. I'm not going to demonstrate yeah, again. Don't, don't do that, man. But you turn the you turn the table on your cup now, and yeah. you're you're the predator. And the now the cup is the jerk. Yeah. <laughs> so you bite that cup, and then eyeballs fly out. I don't yeah. I don't bite porcelain though. Oh, that's a good good call. Um, I I mean that's you know it it it, it might have come across as a joke answer or something, but I mean like it's it's such a simple concept that I think that is the most empowering game. Although I, I'll give it to Miss Pac-Man just because it's a better game. It's faster, it's stickier. It's yeah. And it's about female empowerment. Yeah. Because there's a bow on her head. There's a right. bow in her head, yeah. <laughs> What's the difference between Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man? Bow. Lipstick, too. There's a, a bow beauty mark. The beauty mark. That was, that was a reference to the film Wayne's World. This is not well known, and I don't think there are any pictures online, but uh, when, I forget the guy, the guy from General Computer, Computing or whatever that did Miss Pac-Man, uh, yeah. when, he, when he was talking at California Extreme one year, he was showing some uh, early uh, concepts and stuff from Miss Pac-Man, early sprite work, and yeah, yeah. the first, the fir- oh, you were, yeah, so remember yeah, yeah. the first version of her had hair and looked yeah. really weird? Yeah. And, and then like, there was a version where she had legs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it oh, was man. terrifying looking. <laughs> is that the one on the cabinet? No, um, no. It's like it was like a little tiny round thing, and then some legs. It was still a square, overall square object. It was terrifying looking. Oh, and that was that wasn't uh, Miss. Uh, I mean, it was a game that came, became Miss Pac-Man, but it was uh, God, was a Hangley Man. Was that like the, what they called it? It was like their their first like hack of Pac-Man was like Pac- a little Pac-Man guy with legs, um, and then that became Miss Pac-Man. Hmm. Pac-Man's pretty cool. Yeah, Pac-Man's real cool. It's and just like, boom, there you are. And the story of Miss Pac-Man is even cooler than Pac-Man. <laughs> one, of, one, of, one of my favorite game development stories. And it's someone, a classic. Someone should write like the definitive article on how Miss Pac-Man was made because it's really cool. Well, okay. Pac-Man's a pretty good answer because it's actually... It's, it, at first I was like, well, wait, it's so confining. You're in this maze and you can only mm-hmm. turn you know, when you get to the end of a corridor, but it's actually the confinement that enables you to right mm-hmm. yeah it's, it, when you're when you're sort of put in a corner that's when your true strength comes out sometimes so it's yeah. got that contrast of confinement and then empowerment it's, it's the fight good. or flight thing yeah right and it is like worth noting animal. that the, the power pills are in the farthest corners geometrically mm-hmm. they're in the most uh, geometrically disadvantageous portions of the field so actually Pac-Man Battle Royale the four player Pac-Man 
that's a really empowering game because you're uh, have you have you guys played this the four player Pac Man Battle Royale the recent one uh, so you've got it's four players and you're trying to eat each other but you can only eat each other if you get a power pill so it's just mind blowing because you're trying to avoid getting eaten by the other guys but also to eat them when they're not empowered and uh, it's such an accomplishment when you actually eat a guy it's it's a brilliant brilliant game and it's just it you feel you feel like God when you eat a dude. And now I just want to say a more trivial answer. Uh, there's a scene in Gears of War 2 when you're in a tank and the tank fires these really big giant grenades that blow up really, really good with such perfect timing on everything. That was a, It's just this scene where, you know, Gears of War is about inches. You're killing two or three guys at a time. But then there's this scene where you're really late in the game. You're in a tank and you're just blowing dudes up, just hundreds of them. And it just feels really good because it still feels like the game. I thought that was a good example of now you've got a super weapon in a game. Mm-hmm. It's just very mechanically well implemented. Mm-hmm. I, I like the Bullet Witch for that reason. That it oh, good old BW. Put, it, it actually put the cutscene-like powers in the context of, uh, oh, you're the one doing this. Uh, it felt like it was part of the game because uh, there was no like cutaway. It was actually happening there in the field. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a game where you like start with no weapon, then you get one, and like doors just open for you. But I mean, that happens a lot, but it's never been like super empowering that I can remember. Uh, can we get one last example before we move on? Of empowering games? Yes. Uh, super Pac-Man. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Power Pac-Man. Pac-Man, Pac-Man Junior. Pac-Man well, Pal. You could recycle something Tim said earlier, which is playing. Super Mario Brothers two-player, because it ought to be a purely symmetrical game. You're taking turns playing, but in fact, the, whoever's player one inexplicably has the power to pause the game and screw with the other <laughs> player. So it feels like a very illicit form of power. <laughs> so, you're, so Tim could be very empowered screwing with his brother playing Mario. Yeah, sure. Or my brother could be very empowered to just uh, play the game and break both of the controllers. Yeah. And then ruin my fun forever, which is what mm. he did many times. Here's our both next controllers. Wait, bo- hang on, Jeffy. Both controllers. He just broke both yeah. controllers. He would break them one <laughs> at a time. He would he would play, get mad, slam the controller against the ground. He would just throw one controller at the other controller. And <laughs> no, he would he would hold the controller like this. He would grip it and just judge gavel, bang it on the ground until wow. it shattered. I'm not even kidding. I'm sorry, brothers. Yeah, that's how they do. Maybe you shouldn't have paused so much mid-jump. Our All right, next, Jeff, you can move on now. Go. Our next topic. What was the biggest argument you've had about a video game? Mm. Oh, well, uh, I, I had an argument once where I had written a really good design document that Electronic Arts had approved uh, uh, for a game that would use four guns. And is. then yeah. we had already prototyped the four guns, and they worked really well. And then they hired some guy fresh out of business school who got on the internet and found out that Halo had 24 guns in it, and then he wrote a list of 24 guns, uh, including a pistol, heavy pistol, <laughs> super super heavy pistol, silenced heavy pistol. He had he had flamethrower and silenced flamethrower on the list. <laughs> silenced uh, flamethrower, wow. Yeah, I actually, I didn't want to kill him, but it was at the point where if he got hit by a bus, 
uh, I would not have cried. I would never cry for my whole life. I would yeah. even when I remembered it later. But man, remember when that guy got hit by that bus? Yeah, I'm not crying right now. That's Silenced Flamethrower would be a pretty good alternate name for this whole podcast. Silenced Flamethrower. And I hate to admit it, but like that kind of makes sense in the context of that game, too. That game was a blowjob from a bear trap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. There's a... <laughs> yeah. Um... I think uh, mine, um, it's weird. I don't care about game reviews very much at all. Like, I, I never have, and I've never really done them, but I kind of came out of semi-retirement once to review uh, on OneUp.com when I, when I worked there The Secret of Monkey Island 2 Special Edition. I'm sorry, Monkey Island 2 LeChuck's Revenge Special Edition is the name of the game. And uh, I reviewed it. I don't know if you guys are familiar with how these this remake works, but... Uh, it's got the original game in there, and you hit a button, and it sort of switches to like the HD version, right? And it's and it's got some extra features. It's got some concept art and stuff in it. And uh, um, I decided, well, there's no point in reviewing the game here. What I'm going to review is this package as if it were a DVD, right? So rather than review Monkey Island 2, the game or the remake or whatever, I'm reviewing Special Edition as if it's a DVD and. Uh, because of that, it gave it a pretty low score because I had a lot of problems with the presentation. A lot of the mm. the implementation of stuff in the original game was just kind of broken. They took out the intro, which is weird. And, you know, my argument is like, well, if this is a special edition, you know, you don't buy a movie on Blu-ray and they cut out a scene and you're cool with that. You know, we can't do that. Uh, and, Blade Runner, Final Cut. <laughs> well, you know what it's you're It's like 20 seconds that. shorter. <laughs> you're, but you're intentionally buying that. You're not buying like the ultimate edition here and and the argument that I got in with uh, quite a few people was over um, whether that is how you review a video game product and I felt like I still feel like that's the right call because it's not a new game it's a remake it's it's the DVD packaging of that game um, would you, but, would, you would you apply the same to say the DuckTales remake more like suck no. tales <laughs> yeah um <laughs> I, I, I don't care enough to put a lot of thought into it, but uh, I would consider that a new game. I would consider that a remake as opposed to what this was, which was you know the, the special edition Blu-ray release of Monkey Island 2. We kind of had this exact discussion on last week's episode, but it's I, a good one. I don't remember that. Really? Uh, yeah, we, we talked about what the difference <laughs> is between a sequel and a remake. Uh, secret, a secret about all of us on the show, I think. None of us remember anything that happens in the show. So I remember about twenty percent. <laughs> like when people like yeah, when people like when my mom brings up something I said on the show, I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, your mom listens, uh, that's really nice. My mom does listen to the show. Yes. Uh, how about you, Hellman? Well, the only time an argument over a game got physical was I believe Mega Man two I was playing with uh, my childhood well, he's still a friend, but we were best friends. Uh, you know, in second grade or something, my friend Andrew. And um, I believe what happened was uh, we, we were, like, tag-teaming the game, and it was really hard. And I think in frustration, he was sort of, like, spazzing a little bit, and he hit... Instead of hitting continue, he hit end. Like, he hit select continue, or uh. maybe hit, like... 
I, and I don't know, it, it escalated, and uh, he threw a fan in my direction. A fan? Like a, a stationary, like a desk fan that would be sitting there like with a, a swivel neck. Okay. Um, not but, like a guy in a baseball hat with like a foam glove? Like No, not a baseball fan. Okay. Was it a Vornado that he threw at you? Oh, those are Vornadoes nice. Vornadoes are nice. You shouldn't throw Vornadoes. Yeah, he, he couldn't really lob it too far, so it crashed to the ground. <laughs> Wait, so he threw it at you. Right, but it didn't I was, hit you, I it just kind of sailed, and then, oh, you avoided. I okay. leapt backward, oh. so the fan just hit the ground. That's a pretty good story, David. I can't really think of any other... <laughs> that, that's, that's more of a fight than an argument, though. I'm thinking well, of getting a tornado. it escalated to the point of physicality. It was an argument before that. Sure. Tim Rogers is thinking of getting a tornado, is that what I hear? Yeah. Just yeah. like, because uh, for the white noise. On the show? Right really now? good white noise. Yeah, there should be a tornado uh, on the show. For our next I'll go segment, get one at Costco. Tim, uh, Tim will search Amazon for a fan. Tim, it's getting cold. You should just get a white noise machine, which is a fan that's enclosed without like cold air swishing around. I don't mind cold air. It actually, it's really warm up in my uh, my room. In, in your loft room, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the loft because the hot air rises and it's it's kind of curtain up there. But, Let's uh, move on to our next topic. Oh wait, I was almost going to say some a couple of things about arguments on video games. Maybe the biggest one I've ever had about a video game was with Brandon Sheffield at a party hosted by IGN at Penny Arcade Expo, and it was about Video Ball. Because there's, a, there's an element in Video Ball where uh, you can reverse a high-speed shot, which has been hit with the, the hardest, somewhat difficult-to-release projectile, can spike the ball very sharply in one direction, carrying with it the risk that if it gets hit by another shot, it will reverse. This is the, the meat and, and soul of the game. And uh, it had been... Sort of, we were tooling with physics, and it was kind of turned off for a little bit while we were having a little event at my house, and Brandon was, was uh, on several winning teams. And uh, when we turned it back on for this party that was at IGN, because we were testing other stuff, he's like, what? You know, why? This is stupid. It shouldn't reverse the ball. There's no way you can use this on purpose. And I'm like, well, it's the high-level technique in the game, and you just you got to be careful with your slams. That's all. It's to keep the game fun. And he's like, it doesn't keep the game fun. And we had a really, like, we were just talking about it for like an hour, and then me and Kerwin and Porter made fun of Brandon about it on the drive home. We were, like, making fun of Brandon for uh, not thinking that the game was fun anymore, even though we know in our hearts and our souls that it's the best. All right. Yeah. He just didn't like that he was a loser now. Yeah, people don't like losing. And then, turning that around, this is the final thing I'll say. Once we had an NBA Jam Tournament Edition tournament at my house in Indiana, and my brother and and his, uh, and his a Tournament Edition tournament, a TET, uh, and uh, my brother and his friend who was going to law school, they were, like, cleaning up. And then I just beat both of them, uh, like, 296 to 3 which was like an insane score, which is possible only with the hotspots, but I was so good at stealing, I'd mastered the game, that uh, they they got really, really mad. Like, just really, really angry. And I was like, well, you know, you want to play again? No. And that's, that's the end of that story. That's not a very good argument, though. <laughs> no, well, then, then I beat them again. I let them play again, but I beat them like 286 to 13. Oh, that's good. All right. Which was... Uh, More reasonable. It was a little bit more reasonable, but they were just so mad. And they got really mad at me, and they just didn't talk to me for, like, two weeks. Wow. And then it was okay after that. 
Our next topic. An electromagnetic storm has rendered all electronic devices unusable for the next 30 years. Right what on. What do gamers turn to as an alternative source of entertainment? Jerking off. Labyrinth. The board game Labyrinth. The marble with the turning wooden thing. Labyrinth. That's a video game. Without video. They, they turn to drawing pictures of, uh, of boobies with crayons and then jerking off to them. That's what they turn to. That's what they... Immediately, if, uh, if, the, if this electromagnetic pulse happens and Call of, and Call of Duty just shrinks to a dot, the kid's going to go... <laughs> and then he's going to get up and get a box of crayons and just draw two circles and then two circles inside them and then a dot inside the circles inside the circles. And then he's going to jerk off on it. That's what's going to happen. Well, except uh, eventually, eventually we're going to run out of crayons because you need electricity to make them. So they're going to have to start drawing boobs in the sand with sticks. So they're gonna boobs in the sand it. with sticks and then eventually yeah. boobs in the sand with your finger, and then eventually boobs in the sand with your erection, and then this is how the fetishes get started. Championship mm-hmm. edition. <laughs> Championship. <laughs> Tor- and then tournament edition. Turbo. How about, um, I want to release a version of Video Ball called Video Ball Championship Tournament Edition. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. I mean, like, that. traditional games. I mean, they're going to play games. They're going to, I mean... If not board games or card games, they're going to play, like, physical outside games that maybe don't even require stuff, you know? I mean, it's just a natural, you know, human need to be to be playing games, you know? Even even animals do it. It's not even a human need. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's an intelligent creature need, so... Whatever I mean, games the animals are playing, we'll try to yeah. do that. Yeah, we'll, we'll be... The reindeer games. Yeah, I feel like yeah. anybody who plays a first-person shooter online would probably have a good time playing soccer. Anybody who mm-hmm. plays a real-time strategy game would probably have a good time playing soccer with people outside. Like, I'm, I'm, I, maybe that's a controversial statement, but uh, I think they would all be able to enjoy <laughs> soccer. If you can enjoy StarCraft or Halo you can probably enjoy soccer. If you just it's it's just if the switch is flipped, it's like, well this is what I have to do now, then you can do it. You'll you'll I think you're right. What if I you're mean, not a multiplayer gamer? What if you just like playing design playing, video uh, games? Then GTFO. Read some books. So if if this uh, electromagnetic pulse happens before the release of video ball, gamers will turn to Candyland. Mm-hmm. If it happens after the release of video ball, gamers will turn to chess. <laughs> very good uh, succinctly put very confident a plug for your not yet released video game oh man but it's it's been played by enough humans to be hot All right. and if you would like to play video ball this Saturday in the San Francisco Bay Area there's a party that's happening that you can come to we, we might tell you about it later uh, do you have anything more to say about this electromagnetic storm or should we move on Jerking off is what's going to really happen. Everybody's mm-hmm. just going to be masturbating in the street, right. in their car. That's, Maybe for the, I'm first, not even... for the first five or ten minutes. Yeah, and then once that's over, they're going to have to think of something else. And then, you know, mm-hmm. they'll have five minutes of wondering, oh, God, what do I do, before they just start jerking off again. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, hmm. Our hmm. next topic... Uh, what is currently the most poisonous mainstay of video game development? Development or design? 
uh, development. Development. The most poisonous mainstay. Well, crunch time, duh. <laughs> crunch time is the most poisonous. Crunch time doesn't work. Crunch time results in uh, sloppy work that just makes things even worse. Uh, and it uh, destroys uh, families. And it uh, well, you get dinner out of it though. You get free dinner, so maybe that's not free the pizzas. Yeah, a lot the of secret, The secret of effective crunch time is uh, don't have a family and don't don't care and yeah. really really be making a game you like. That's but, it. Uh, but that doesn't happen for yeah. That doesn't happen for ninety nine percent of people. So oh, you, you know what? I guess my mom isn't listening because she's calling me, so she's not listening right now, Javi. All right, maybe she'll get the uh, iTunes version. Yeah. Pick up and tell her we said hi. Okay. We're waiting. I let it ring too long. She can't. She hung oh, up. Sorry. What a okay. sadness. She yeah. probably had a very strong feeling about this this topic and wants to join. Crunch us. time. Yes. I I, yeah. I I believe your mom's been the victim of crunch time. My mom is EA spouse. Yeah. yeah. Whoa! Your dad works for EA. That's so cool. Yeah, isn't that great? Yeah. He makes that Madden. <laughs> yeah. Your dad makes Madden. Well, you know. Well, isn't is your dad great? John Madden? <laughs> It, you know, video games are a family business for Frank. He's got a dad at EA and an uncle at hey. Nintendo. Hey, I mean, like, like, uh, I mean, yeah. Any any answer I give is just going to be related to quality of life while making video games, right? It's it's not going to be related to how the final product comes out. And it's you know, crunch time is is terrible. It's stupid. Um, other than that, I don't know. Like, Tim, what do you think? As you, I mean, you're you're sort of a different a different type of developer than I am. Yeah, I think I'm trying to be a different type of developer than anybody is. I'm trying to be the best. <laughs> like you know, whenever it was. Right. The best. So, I'm definitely I'm... the best. Let's face it on that. Okay, but, you uh, have you have been through some crap though. You've worked oh, yeah. with idiots, and you've been through some crap, and there's there's some common thread here. I think that the the focus testing is pretty bad, but I don't want to say focus. Like I, I want to think of a bigger term than focus testing. Um. Making games that you presume other people are going to like yes. instead of making a game that you know mm-hmm. you're going to like. Like, like we would make a gun in a game, and then every I would be like, hey, guys, check this out. And they'd all come around and be shooting it and be like, heck, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, look at that. Oh, dude, look, look at that. Look how cool that is. Yeah, I'm shooting that guy. And then uh, the... Uh, some guy with a hat that he couldn't he just didn't know how to take his own goddamn hat off cuz obviously there's no reason he, there's no way he could have liked that hat comes up and he's like yeah i've read some research that guns should be like this i don't know do you want to try it i don't know do do you want to try it i i i i wouldn't really let me see well, i don't know maybe uh, uh, and it's like that's it and it's like oh yeah well this guy thinks we should do something else because you know, he's read some stuff about other stuff, and it's like he's got, wait, you know, he's got a hat on. Though? Yeah, he just he, can't, he just did not know how to take the hat off. This guy. Okay, I see. He just because there's no way you would wear that hat on purpose. Yeah. It must have been glued to his his cranium. I wonder if he ever got fired. Like I feel like he's the kind of guy who would get fired for some really banal reason. Banal. <laughs> like he accidentally burned burned a a ream of copy or paper. Or so. So I, I mean, I, I, how do we sort of narrow that down and define it? Because I think I think people really... need to trust their instincts 
and the experience of playing the Pre- game than presumption metrics. I guess. Yeah, I was I was gonna say because this is very much related to like you know how like when Zynga fails, right? Like when Zynga yeah. fails, it's because they're trusting their hard numbers as opposed to human judgment, right? God, I love a hard number. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But I mean, that's kind of what you're getting at. It's it's like uh, metrics and and like focus testing is part of that. And it's like I guess what you're saying is that uh, a, a terrible trend is is sort of taking power away from the game designer as a creator, right? And and uh, putting it in the hands of the uh, the what, greater populace that that uh, doesn't really know what they want. Deferring to yeah. some imaginary kind of uh, uh, distilled. Uh, wisdom rather than shifting the focus from fun. Yeah. There you go. Trademark. Something else. (laughs) That should be the tagline for Action Button. Shifting (laughs) the focus from fun. Here at Action Button Entertainment, we don't care about fun. We care about sterile, lifeless, hard, Real experiences. <laughs> we care about what other people think. Not what we think, not what you think. What not what the you other think. people think. Not what you think. <laughs> you have not met these other people, and you likely never will. They're if shadowy you, people. They might ever, be reptiles. If you ever see one of these other people, kill them. Tell them to buy our game. Kill them. All right, let's move on. Uh, all right. Do you ever feel like video games have left you behind? Left me behind. I have felt that in the past and lo- no longer feel that because I grew up. <laughs> Wait, there was a period where you did feel that way, but you moved There was a it? period where, like, when... I guess, in, I guess when I felt that way, it was when video games were just, you know, console games you bought in stores. You know, I felt like video games left me behind at that point, but I feel like they've come back around and... Uh, They've welcomed me back in. Um, but when my only option was sit down in front of the TV and have a large experience, I felt like video games were moving away from me. Right, yeah. I can identify with that. Yeah. Like I said, Last of Us took me forever to get through, and mm-hmm. ultimately it was really interesting, but it was like for the first time I was trying to get into this game and just finding myself not remembering the uh, what the buttons did. Because oh, I have yeah. like a lot of stuff to map, and I never had that feeling before. I, mean, I feel like I sound old saying that, but you know, it's just a lot of stuff and a lot of systems. And you, you know, if you play it for a couple hours and then say, "Well, two hours is a good period of time to enjoy something for," I'm going to do something else now. Maybe don't think of it again for a week. You come back and you, you know, it works if what you do when you get a new game is sit down for eight hours and play it, which is what I always yeah. used to do as a kid. You just sort of like mm-hmm. really embrace it and learn everything and. Uh, yeah, in that way. But I don't think I don't necessarily think games have I think it's more me than games. That's the kind of relationship you have then with games is uh, Once again, not, yeah, not you, it's me. Yeah. It'd be good if we could talk more. Yeah. So it just wouldn't be such a big deal. Right. <laughs> I don't feel like games have left me behind. Maybe I've left some video games behind though. By not yeah. playing them all the way. I think, like, for me, like, I came... It's not just the games changed, it's that they reminded me that they're more than their form. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's like if if 
It's like when people dismiss comic books because they they've got them superheroes. You know, it's like, well, that's you're confusing you're confusing the form for the art. You know, and and mm-hmm. um, yeah. And I guess I felt that way about video games for a time. Um, I was also kind of unhappy job wise in video games, so that might have contributed to that. But uh, no, video games are cool, and they always were. And I came back around, and I'm no longer an idiot about it. I'm gonna go ahead and say I think video games are still cool. Yeah, I, I I play video games sometimes, like the good ones. I feel like there's, like I could I can't say that games as a whole have, uh, uh, left me behind by becoming about different subject matter or, uh, different styles of playing them. I mean, there's still games like Super Mario 3D World coming out that I'm really just raging excited about, and. Uh, there's games that I can sit down and hang out with. I got Video Ball. Video Ball's never going to leave anybody behind. No man left behind. No woman left behind. No dog left <laughs> behind with Video Ball. It's, yeah. Nobody it's gets left you... behind. Nobody. Do yeah, the computer it's... games based on Left Behind, the book series, do those leave people behind? I think those aren't good. Yeah, probably not. I know I've seen those. They, we should play one of those on the show. <laughs> you really should. <laughs> oh, not God. The other show. The other show. Yeah, the other which show. we'll talk about after this show's over. Sure. What were you going to say, David, when we interrupted you? Sorry, I but... just agree. I, I, no, not at all. I, I, I feel like it's broader than ever. I feel like everything yep. is still being made. Even genres that are supposedly dead, like the adventure game, well, now we have you know, Double Fine doing their, their crowd-funded adventure game. and um, I don't know. It feels like it's more inclusive than ever, so... Yeah, so maybe the better. games that left, maybe games did leave us behind, but now they're doubling back. Yeah, yeah they're, I mean, coming, that's, that's, they're well, coming back to get us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's they what I thought before, and there's finish us all. They're helicopter, and there there was always some truth to that, but like I feel like maybe I was overreacting when I thought that, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, let's this, this is helping me a lot, you guys. This is this is helping me uh, really get through some issues, right? Well, that's here what's important. Podcast, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm glad I could do that for you. Frank. Yeah. It's just this uh, orange uh, thing has just really opened my eyes. Just all, all the orange happening. All right. Uh, for for listeners who uh, don't really care about this uh, touchy feely crap, uh, <laughs> we're gonna do a fun final round. You know, uh, I just I, I love you guys. Is what I'm trying yeah. to say. Man, I just love um, you all. Yeah. I call I call this final round Shame Famitsu. Uh, Famitsu is a uh, magazine which uh, is published in Japan, which in the past has been famous for its uh, critical reviews and being very uh, reluctant to give out a perfect score to a game. I'm just However, feeling a lot of love is all, you know. Okay. However, that award has been granted uh, 22 times to date. And uh, I feel like what we should do is take each of those games and uh, call a- 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 and call Famitsu out on their bluff and oh. point out why these games aren't perfect. Okay, this is not going to uh, be very fast. <laughs> no, this can be no. perfect. This can that, be fast. That, that's okay. why I've retitled this final round as opposed to lightning. Yeah, yeah. So there's 22 games that got four tens, the 40 out of 40, yes. um, and. We're gonna just try and say that none of them are actually perfect. Can we all? Can we have a? Can we all assign them a number grade as well? Yes. So just well, we have to say, 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 what, they... say what number it should be instead of ten. Yes, we're gonna do that. Uh, we'll begin. We're gonna go in chronological order uh, from the first game to get a forty out of forty to the most recent. Uh, we begin with The Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time. It's for that babies. Game, yeah, it's it's 
says, for babies, it's for old people. Um, it, according to that Salon.com article, it's sexist and racist. Oh, I saw that. <laughs> wait, <laughs> I'm, there's, wait, are we, are we all jumping in because this is the format and we're supposed to not be Just jump, or? yeah, just, just jump it, man, just jump so it. So we're, we're, this is like, we're supposed to take these things down. Or yes. can we yeah, say... We're not taking them down. We're explaining why they are not perfect. Are you going to say oh, it's a 10 perfect. out of 10, David Hellman? If you want to say it's a, a 10 out of 10, it's oh. okay. So I, I, I think it's it's at, it's a 9 at best because the pre-rendered graphics outside of the Temple of Time uh, are really, really gross. Where you just It's like true. pre-rendered. And it's like it's the pre-rendered graphics inside the whole Hyrule Castle area. I I would have really liked bad. if they'd used the uh, you know at that time they had this they were on cartridges which is supposed to be about like no load times and everything. Well, they could have then had like gone crazy with interconnected regions. You would have thought. Yeah. I'm not sure what would have been in the way there, but they could have that figured that been out. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, a horse could have been faster. Mm-hmm. All right. Like, ha- like ten caliber. times faster. Soul caliber. Well. Mm-hmm. So the, graphic, the graphics aren't nearly as good as Soul Calibur 2. And uh, uh, the the lady's breasts aren't nearly as big as they are in Soul Calibur 5. Mm-hmm. Like, the breasts literally They're got true. about 600% bigger. So, so is Soul Calibur 5 a 10? No, it's not a 10 because it's uh, too dumb. What is Soul Calibur 1? Soul Calibur, so- I, I actually like Soul Calibur 1. I'd give it an 8. Cool. It was okay. like a really pretty fighting game for the Dreamcast when it when that was new, right? Mm-hmm. That's how I remember it. It was like you needed to have a nice looking fighting game with nice looking fighters doing cool stuff uh, on your new console, and that's what that was. And it, it was like Toshin then to the PlayStation. Like mm-hmm. that was that was like an incredible game when it came out because you could do the sidestep and it was, characters were really big on the screen. Yeah, big characters, lots of graphics. Vagrant yeah. Story. Vagrant Story. Okay, Vagrant Story is not a 10. I like it a lot, but that game is just an explosion, just a, a grotesque collage garbage salad of UI stuff. That's just a huge mess. It's a garbage salad of UI. Mm. It is a fantastic game, but if it were if it were like exactly like Dark Souls, it would it would maybe be a 10. And if Dark Souls were exactly like Vagrant Story in terms of that stuff, you know, it, it might be a ten as well. That's me. That's all I got. Uh, so what is it? So what? What is it? As is. I'd give it an eight point five. Fair Ooh. enough. Let's move on. Uh, the Legend of Zelda: The Wind Waker. The Wind Waker, more like. First of all, it was given four tens when it was not in 1080p. And yeah, now it's what's wrong with yeah? Well, come 10 on, ten years come later, on. it's it's in it's in sixty yeah. FPS. Did they review the new one? What did Probably. they review the the re-release? Was that a ten out of ten, or did they not? No, man, did they review it? Change. I wonder if they reviewed it. Maybe it's not even out in Japan yet. I did have a problem with that game, um, and I don't know how to phrase this fairly, but the reason I stopped playing it is because I was having a good time. I was making forward progression. I got everything. I you know it was just. A good solid forward march through the game, and then I got to this one temple where I just couldn't solve a puzzle, and I beat my head against a wall for like an hour, and then walked away from it and never went back to it, uh, which is maybe not mm-hmm. fair of me, but to me, 
that's kind of a flaw. I don't know how you fix that. <laughs> I think there's a lot of nonsense in it. There's a whole lot of get the teacup and give it to the, yeah. the fishermen and then get the and There's a whole lot of like get, give it to get, the, the, get the three MacGuffins and then, oh, cool, now get these other three MacGuffins sort of things. Yeah. And then there's the parts where the characters are talking at you and it's just like, man, come on. This is annoying. I just want to sure. do stuff and go to dungeons. I mean, it's the first game where your vehicle talks to you and tells you what to do and that you can't go certain places. Like in, in Ocarina of Time, your horse can't go certain places because it won't walk up like a staircase, things like that. But it never stopped, turned its head around and said, oh, we shouldn't, yeah, let's not go to the southern area of the, of the, of the you know, Hyrule field. No, reason being that I'm a horse. <laughs> yeah, that is not a 10. What is yeah. it? I liked nine. it a lot. It's a nine. I think it's a All five, right. which is like Whoa. tough scoring. It's like ten. So that's like Tevis Thompson scale scoring. I, I think it's like an incredibly charming game, but um, really, really frustrating, disappointing to go through. All right. Let, let, let's call also it the, a... the first boss is awful. The first boss you fight. Let, let's call it a 6.8. Okay. 6.8, that's good. All right. Uh, Nintendogs. Oh, uh, no cats? Come on. <laughs> no Corgi? Wait, there was a Corgi. <laughs> well, you had to buy the Corgi edition, didn't you? Yeah, you did. They're just puppies, though. They're not even full dogs. Yeah, you can't. Fly. You can pet them and you can throw a frisbee at them. You can't walk them. What the heck? Not enough features. Six. Oh. Final Fantasy Twelve. Ah, it's another case of a game just being an explosion of UI, the garbage salad. It had that license board thing where you had to purchase all of your upgrades. It had uh, the whole thing where there's this gambit system that lets you program your dudes so that they behave strategically according to your uh, your general whims. Uh, but you had to like buy these gambits. Like You had to go to a shop and pay a guy 100 gold pieces so that you can attach the fire spell to a prioritized AI script that tells a guy uh, when an enemy is weak to fire, use fire on him. You know, it's like, what? Why do I have to go pay in-game money for that? It's like they were running out of crap to stuff the game with. And that bothers me. I'd give it a 9. Really, really good game over all around, though. Super what? Super Smash Brothers Brawl. Nope. I didn't play it. Big dumb game, big dumb and floppy. Just don't like how big dumb and floppy it is. So, 3. Let's give it a four. All right. Uh, spe- speaking of four, Metal Gear Solid Four: Guns of the Patriots. They give it a ten. They give it. They give it a forty. I guess. Yeah. They give it forty. Yeah. Yeah. They give it a forty. Wow. They give it four tens, and that's terrible. I'm just gonna go ahead and say that game is like, uh, oh god, it's oh god, it's 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 worse than like being trapped in an elevator with a homeless person. It had a lot of fun little moments. Like it had a lot of weird little stages, and like, I mean that one where you're like wearing a mask and you're like sort of spying and stuff. That was cool. And that it had fun times, but like it's ropey. It's it's just it's just I don't know. It's it's just it's it's earthquakey. It's all over the place. Schizophrenic is what it is. It's it's just like it's not a good experience all the way through, and uh, get over these cutscenes. Just stop it. Like learn to tell yeah. a story without just. I mean, it's it's like these these Metal Gear games. It's like if you're watching a movie, 
the movie just stops and like the usher comes in and like gives you a whole bunch of backstory about like he just like walks up to you and tells you about the characters and what's and what's happening behind the scenes and then like he walks away and then the movie starts again. That's what these games remind me of. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that's happened to you. That uh, happens to me every th- these these weird alternative theaters in Berkeley. Five out of ten. <laughs> five out of ten. I'd uh, give it like a seven. To be fair, it's a good game. Okay. So let's give it a six point two. Cool. All right. Uh, Four twenty-eight. Fusa Sareta Shibuya de. Yeah. Oh. Is that the train game? Is that like when you're a conductor? No, it's, or? it's, it's a sound novel by Chunsoft. Oh. It's okay. Sound I don't novel, know. It's, it's it's still the kind of story written by a guy who couldn't get a job on TV. You know, mm-hmm. so six. All right, uh, Dragon Quest Nine: Sentinels of the Starry Skies. Of all the Dragon Quest games, it is an insult that they gave that one uh, forty out of forty. Dragon Quest Eight was definitely a better game than that, but they gave it like an eight or something because it got, oh, I got motion sick from the three D. It's like get over yourself. Dragon Quest Nine was a tiny little trifling Dragon Quest game with a whole bunch of social features attached to it and uh, it was floppy and dumb and uh, Dragon Quest 5 and 8 and 6 and 4 3 and 1 and 7 are better so go home give Dragon Quest 9 an 8 Monster Hunter Try man they, they, they had made so many of those games by that point and they still like nobody working at all on on any of those games had ever seen a game that had an interface that worked so Monster Hunter Try can go ahead and get a, a, a 4 out of 10 from me whoa whoa nice <laughs> you know I, I'd rather I, I'd rather get paid to work <laughs> on spreadsheets vicious uh, Bayonetta I That's... don't like the character, and I think the story is a bunch of flaming nonsense. It could have just been chill. It could have just been like, we don't care about the story, but instead, you've got characters just talking and talking. And it's just like, God, who cares? Right. It could have just been a character wearing sunglasses and it, it slashing was, it people was way, up. It was way too invested in its own ridiculousness. Yeah, and I mean, I know I can skip the cutscenes or whatever, but you know, why, 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 why couldn't the developers have skipped the cutscenes? What were you going to say about it, David Heckman? Oh, nothing. Well, I was just surprised. I, I haven't really played it. <laughs> but it's um, fun. Is, is, that a, is it a great game? Is it like one of the great action games? It's got some... It's, it's better than the Devil May Cry games in terms of its uh, mechanics uh-huh. and its feel. Yeah. It's uh, really, really silky. They don't make them like that so much. Why does she have shorter say... hair in the, the new one? I, when they announced the Wii U version... They were like, "Look, she got a haircut. Like it was a big deal for fun." Uh, well, because her powers are hair-based, so oh, hair is kind hair. of a uh, theme in the series. Uh, I- I'm going to say an eight point eight. Uh, is anyone? All right, let's do it. That? Let's do it. Let's do it. What's All the right. next one? New New Super Mario Brothers Wii. It has the oh, aesthetic of a, of a of a Malaysian flash game of the mid 1990s. <laughs> mm-hmm. Agreed. <laughs> we're going to get a lot of email from Malaysian listeners, but. I agree Thank with you the spirit. thanking you for uh, the compliment. Because <laughs> they probably... Yeah, Brent, Brent, Brandon probably knows like three great Malaysian game studios. Three great uh, Malaysian uh, flash games. Yeah, that's a weird one because like, the central... Yeah, the big feature of that game is it's multiplayer, but 
the um, it's troublesome meddling bumbling multiplayer troublesome yeah it's like what they did was they threw everyone on the screen and they immediately found that it was really problematic and just decided that that was a feature not a bug and they just went downright (laughs) trump bumblesome just go ahead and leave that in there (laughs) trump bumblesome yeah yeah trump bumblesome what are we giving it trump bumblesome I'd still give it a, a 7 out of 10 because it's still a right. side-scrolling Mario game. But the physics are weird, too. So, Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. Uh, Metal Gear Solid Police Go Home is what I would say about that game. It's on the goddamn PSP. You ever held a PSP? I'd rather hold hands with a grizzly bear than hold a PSP. Wait. You're saying... <laughs> I'd rather hold hands with a grizzly bear that had Don't... cayenne pepper all over his butt. It's impossible for any PSP game to be a 10 out of 10. As far as I'm concerned, and in, in, in all, in, in all, with all apologies to anybody who was a hardware engineer on any of the PSPs, yeah, that, that thing is... It's, I always say that Android phones are like trying to fall asleep in an airport. Uh, a PSP is like trying to fall asleep in a bus station. All right. What's the score? Uh, I, I played it a little bit. It was. It had some neat little strategy mechanics in it, but it's on PSP and it's god darn Metal Gear, so five out of ten. All right. Pokemon Black and White. Pokemon Black and White's cool, but it didn't bring the innovation to the series that uh, newcomers craved. So let's go ahead and say that it's a nine out of ten. All right. Uh, Skyward Sword. The Legend of Zelda, like, Skyward Sword. More like the Legend of Zelda, Swyward Scored. <laughs> what 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 is it scored, Tim? Well, you know his it's. I'm gonna score it uh, a six out of ten. So I'm assuming the full game is like the E3 demo, which is just a bunch of people talk all the time, and then you play like arcade games. Oh, there's games. so much talking, but then the dungeon, like the the dungeons are good once you get to them, which is like twenty hours of twenty hours of wading hip deep in, in diarrhea, you know, diarrhea with super glue in it, you know. It's, well, so it's, David is illustrating a book based on his reaction to this game, so I want to be here that's, from him. That's right. Yeah, I basically was driven to the point of creating comic book in response to my experience of playing this game. Um, I, I don't know. I think the uh, the shop you go to in the in the in your hometown, that marketplace area is probably like the most inexplicable. It's kind of all right. First of all, I have to give the game a lot of credit for its overworld regions like the forest area is a lot of fun to run around a lot of over and under and, and going around and things like that and landmarks in the distance to move towards and that sort of thing which there should have been a lot more of in the other games so yeah. in that way I thought it was actually like good for them they really advanced it there but uh, it's you just get this feeling going through that you're always kind of being like prodded to the next waypoint and uh, it kind of never never lets you roam free and, and they, they somehow they're just sort of tripping over their own feet the whole way. Like, they give you this forest area to run through, but your first experience of it, which is really where the magic should happen because you don't know what it is yet, the entire time they're interrupting you with these goofy characters. they got to say something to you, and then they're like, go right over there now. And so you keep going through thinking, like, I'll get through all this, and then I'll be able to explore, but it just goes that way through the whole game. So there's this kind of... It just grinds you down. By the time you're near the end, you're like, oh, the whole game is like this, and I'm never really going to be left alone. So the shop, by the way, they're, like, I think it highlights, there's some weird notion that presentation is really important, and elaborate presentation is, is a virtue, so it's good inherently to have characters talking to you 
at length and saying a lot of written dialogue and pantomiming. And uh, that value is upheld above just the player's immediate needs, which are to interact with shopkeepers, like, as user interface, I need to get a potion, so let me, like, look at something quickly and, te- like, identify in a menu what I need. Instead, you have to go through this dialogue tree and hear the same shit again and again and again. So there's a lot of just inexplicable stuff where they could have really helped themselves out by not trying so hard. What number would you give it, Hellman? Also a five, even though I... It, because Wind Waker should have been better. So I scored them the same... But part of my score in Wind Waker is more the disappointment of, uh, like, that game should have been just great because it had so many, so many strengths. It had good art. It had amazing art, and, like, the world looks great, but it kind of, I don't know, like, the forest area. You get to the forest island, you have to go up the same way every time. Oh, man, that forest island, I just got there yesterday. Yeah. I'm playing Wind Waker through again. It looks like it's going to be great, but then it's sort of like... You kind of give it a break because it's so cute and there's so many nice little bits, but I don't know. It's just not not as much fun as you think it is, everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, so. The first of two Western games on the list, The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. Uh, playing that game is really bad. Uh, fighting an enemy in that game is like whipping a balloon animal rhinoceros into deflation with a an empty garbage bag. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that's what I said in my, my Kotex. Exactly. Yes. It's, a, uh, it, it's just a big bag of parts. I don't like any of it. I want so to like it. So a zero. It. I'll give it a three. I want okay. to like it. The three is from wanting to like it. Final Fantasy thirteen two. Uh, no. No. Final Fantasy thirteen no. More like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is there is there a number associated with no? Uh, let's give it a two because it's Final Fantasy thirteen two. No. Two let's... as in this is what this game is scored. Yeah, yeah. Right. There you go. A two as in two out of ten. Uh, Kid yeah. Icarus Uprising. Kid Icarus, uh, more like. Hmm. I was gonna try to think of a word like down sinking. Just gonna kind of try to reverse the word uprising. I uprising. never played it, but. It puts you at risk for repetitive stress injury, doesn't it? Yeah, I've heard that. I heard it was really good, but... More like at risk I mean, they were Mm. at risk Oh, baby. Uh, More like Robin Thickerus. So I was just going to finish what I was saying. Uh, Uprising indicates that you're getting a boner from the game, but I just want to say that you don't get a boner from it. It's the opposite of a boner. (laughs) So advertising, man. Kid Icarus down-flopping, they should call it. So (laughs) Uprising is what... is what you have to do with your hands when you put the DS into that monstrous uh, uh, stand. It's like any game that comes with an accessory fundamentally has to get docked a point. That you, that needs an accessory. It's like just play to the strengths of the hardware. It's like we gotta have this weird plastic stand. You gotta play it on a table. Isn't it a portable video game system? Why didn't you make it for a home console, you jerk? So there you go. I've never played it more than 30 seconds. And I fundamentally have to dock it at least a point. So it is maximum nine. No way it could have gotten a perfect score. Let's give it a nine. Uh, Yakuza 5. Oh, man, come on. They can't even pay five extra dollars to, uh, like, voice act the, the games. Most of the time, there's, like, you get, like, four voice acted cutscenes, and then the rest is just 
text boxes and postcard backgrounds, and the story's not even really that good. The games are all right, though. Eight out of ten. What's next? Next one. Joe's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle. Oh, man, I played some of that, and uh, here's the, the short answer. Nope. It's okay, but I mean, come on. Just because it's got some graphics in it? Why don't you go home and read a book, you know? <laughs> get some real graphics out of that book. Yeah, yeah, get some head graphics. Is it, was that the most recent uh, one? No, there's one more. Wow, I thought that was the most recent one. Wow, what's nope. the newest one? Uh, well, what's the number for JoJo? What's the number? What do you what's mean? The score? What number does JoJo What's our score? Uh, I'd give it a seven, because I like JoJo. Right. Our last game is the uh, second and last Western game, Grand Theft Auto V. Ah, yeah, I don't think that gets no ten. I'd give it a five, because that's how many Grand Theft Autos it is. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I played it at your house, and uh, people just do not obey the laws of traffic in that game at all. Like They, they still they, hate figured that out, no. Yeah, they still haven't figured it out. Uh, uh, it's really hard to parallel park, um, and a lot of people look exactly the same. And sometimes ambulance drivers just, like, turn to you and punch you for no reason. So, uh... Yeah, that ambulance... 11 out of 10, maybe? Too much yelling. <laughs> 11 out of 10. I would, I would give it 5 out of 10 to counteract your 11. Okay. Uh, so I would say, uh, on, on principle, I have to give it a low score because of how much people are talking about it. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's an incredible technical achievement. Oh, an ICI. Wait, an yeah. ICA. Thing. All right, so technical let, let's, T, so. incredible technical. All right, oh. let's give <laughs> let, let's give it a uh, seven point X. Seven point X. All right, are we uh, done? And, yes, we are done. That is this episode of the Insert Credit Podcast. David this Hellman. This episode. Yes. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, if people want to check out uh, Second Quest and your other projects, where should they go? Oh yeah, you can just go to davidhellman.net. Dot net. It's a very simple website, easy to navigate, and yeah, you can find my comic or my. It's got, it's got links to some of them other comics too. Does it have a link yeah. to the past on it? <laughs> oh, does it have a pink to the last on it? <laughs> yeah. So I know. I'll open up Dreamweaver right now. Okay. Uh, so I want to thank, thank you for having me on. By the way, I really appreciate oh, it. Having it, it was on. a pleasure, David Hellman. It's good time. Uh, a pleasure yeah. to have the uh, a, a pleasure to have a positive force on the uh, podcast uh, oh. to counteract the general. Air of negativity, which comes from Brandon, but we love him for it. Uh, I want to thank a negative. I, I want to thank Blaine Brown, our editor, for doing such a bang up job editing the show every week. Uh, if you want to hang out with us after the show and you're listening to this live, uh, you can do that. We'll have a live question and answer uh, segment for a little bit that is exclusive to the live show. If you want to check out the recorded show, you can go to podcast.insertcredit.com. Uh, or you could uh, check it out on iTunes. Leave us a nice review. We like to hear nice things about it ourselves. Uh, if you're not listening to this live, why the heck not? Uh, you can find out when we're doing it by following us on the Facebook group. That's facebook.com slash icpodcast. Or following us on Twitter. I'm at Alex Jaffe. Frank's at Frank Cifaldi. Tim's at 108. Brandon's not here, but you can follow him as well. He's at Necrosofty. David probably won't tell you whenever we're broadcasting, but you should probably follow him as well. He's at David Hellman. Uh, it's spelled like it sounds. And uh, if you want to send in your votes for the best video game of all time, 
We're still taking votes for that. So send those to podcast at insertcredit.com as well as any other questions you might have for the show. Uh, I'm Alex Jaffe. I'm, 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 I'm the Frank Cifaldi there. I'm Tim Rogers, and if you want to play video ball and you're in the San Francisco Bay Area on November 2nd, which is Saturday, uh, which is very just a couple days from now, November 2nd, 2013, for our super future listeners, uh, just look go to, go to dayofthedevs.com. Double Fine is having a party, so go check that out. Video I'm going to gonna be there. Are you going to be at that? Yeah. I'll, I'll see that. you there. Cool. I'll bring a big bag of This was a podcast. All right, we did it. Podcast over, yeah!